0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. My apologies for running a little bit late with this week. Life has just gotten in the way, and that's very normal, same as what I spoke about a couple episodes ago about the farmer and the horse. Things are going to happen, good or bad. You just, you know, you can't take your foot off the gas. You know, you might slow down a little bit, but try not to fully halt. Just keep going, keep going. It's not that song, life's a roller coaster. You just, you just got to ride it. So... Yeah, there's gonna be good and bad moments, but it's gonna keep on keeping on. There's a lot of I feel like a lot of country songs are all about like keep on, keeping on. Anyway, let's talk about what we're gonna talk about today. Just a couple of things. I wanna talk about just eating for performance. I think it's been one of the main focuses in in health and fitness and nutrition in, in probably the last 10 years has just been eating for weight loss, eating, for fat loss, and I think we've kind of strayed away from performance gains or performance goals or wanting to feel strong. It's difficult to lose weight, but also feel strong, especially because people want such aggressive cuts, but we'll get into that. We might get into my debate or discussion. It's probably debate about the greatest of all time in terms of athletes, but I just wanted to bring one up today and just speak about What I think actually makes someone the greatest of all time, it's not just accolades, there's so many things that come to it as well, and obviously there's personal preference, but we'll get into all that stuff very shortly, so enjoy the show. Hello, and what is going on, everyone? Hope you're all having a good day and night, a day, night, whatever it is. I actually had a nice, wholesome experience at Coles just today, and it got me thinking like, us as humans, we're very strange creatures. We interact out of circumstance. We go to school, we create friendships there. You can either create bad friendships, and your school time could be shit or you can create good friendships and school can be fun, quotation marks. The people that you meet and the relationships that you create, they dictate how those situations that you're in actually reflect on on you, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience. And what happened today at Coles was um, I went to get some avocados and there was a lovely older woman Next to me as well, also feeling the avocados, and normally at Cole's avocados are fucking rock hard, and she's feeling a few. I'm feeling a few. I look at her and I just say, "Pretty hard, huh? a lot of lot of hard avocados," and she has a bit of a giggle, and we end up talking for a little bit. We spoke about avocados for five minutes: how we preserve them, how we use them, how do we, you know, cut them? Do we mash them up? Like, what's the best way to ripen them? And it was just a nice, wholesome conversation, and I just. You know, wished her a, a lovely day. She wished me a lovely day, and that was it. And normally, like when you go into a shopping center or a, or a supermarket, you just walk past people. You know, you're you're all these individual beings living your you know own unique lives, and it's very it's very easy to be carried away in your own life and your own experience. That we forget that there's billions of other people living amongst us, going through similar things that we're going through about to go through things that we've been through and vice versa we're all living this you know essentially an experience that's that's very very alike we like to believe that some of the things that we experience are unique i think we are unique as people but the experiences that we've had and the things that we've gone through are going through and will go through millions before us have gone through and i think that is a pleasant thought to have and to understand that you know when you're in certain situations there is always gonna be light at the end of a tunnel. And yeah, it got me thinking that we do get carried away with our own lives. You know, some of us begin to get into long, long-term relationships or very busy jobs, get married, have kids, move further away from our friends and family. But just because your life has gotten, you know, maybe in the way or things have gotten really let's say like a time constraint and time is hard to come by. You have to still make the effort with your friends, with your family, with people around you, even, even strangers, just a nice little high bye, you know, when you're going for a nice little walk or even the odd conversation like I had today. It, you'd be surprised at what a few words can do to someone and what a few words can actually uh, do to someone's week, sometimes someone's month, sometimes the, you know, the, the few words that you've just used and had a conversation with someone and that smile you've had has, you know, maybe saved that person's life. And it happens a lot people that you know work their jobs and they have no partners and they have no friends and all they have as an outlet is their work again which is a circumstance you're talking to people out of circumstance there there is a lot of masks being worn at work and sometimes that wholesome interaction that you've had with that person actually brightens up their day their month sometimes even the year and pulls them out of out of a hole that you never knew they were in so yeah it's important to check in on your friends check in on your family cuz it's not hard to just send a text saying, I love you, or how are you? How's everything going? It's not going to be like when you're 18, 19 or a uni student or in high school where you can just hang out with everyone every day of the week because you've got an abundance of time. You feel like you have 48 hours and a 24 hour day, but things change and we become older. We have more responsibilities. We have, you know, time becomes an issue especially if we struggle to, to juggle time as it is with, you know, our time management is poor, but it's not hard to just text. It's not hard to, to call. And yes, we're all going through shit and everyone around us is going through shit. So it's important to have this community and to have, you can't just always rely on your family. You can't always just rely on your partner. Friends are very important. So yeah, check in on your loved ones, check in on yourself, Try to be the person that you want your friends to be to you because sometimes you don't know who's going through what. So just a nice little smile, nice little check-in, little suffice, it will do. So that's my little wholesome thing for the day. Talk to people around you. If you see a stranger, have a nice little interaction. Unless it's how you get fucked, then you can just yeah, <laughs> go away from that. But most people are really nice. Most people are really nice. It's what I like about Australia. When you go for a walk in a nice little neighborhood, everyone's like, morning, how are you? Good morning. And that's really wholesome. You know, we're we're all just because we we don't we don't all know each other we're still sharing the area together we are neighbors we have a community so it's it's nice to just have a a smile on your face and acknowledge other people's existence which most of us just kind of have blinders on when we're when we're living our life and we just acknowledge our own existence and our own problems but we forget that we have many people around us that are, you know, going through a lot of shit and they also exist they are worthy Sorry about that rant, but something a little bit wholesome, yeah? So yeah, give someone a smile, tell someone to have a a good day, pay pay a compliment forward. What I wanted to talk about today, uh, it's something that I've noticed for quite a while. And Me, lately, I've actually lost four to five kilos, and it was like, oh, fucking lucky you, you've lost four or five kilos. That's not what I intended to do. I've just gone through some life stresses in the last... Probably four weeks, I've struggled to munch down some food, uh, especially if I'm starting early in the morning at six o'clock. I have to be up at five and I can be quite poor with prepping my food. So I will train for two hours. I will coach people for, you know, 10 to 12 hours and I won't pack much food. And in my day, I'm probably con- consuming half of what I'm burning. And before you know it, you know, you drop a kilo a week, two kilos, and then you're down four or five kilos. And my performance has taken a hit. My sleep has taken a hit. My legs that are already skinny are looking even skinnier. And that is fucking frustrating, especially when you've got long legs. Man, I wish I can go back to my 15-year-old self and just say, keep at those squats. Just because it's a Smith machine, keep at those squats. But unfortunately, I did leg press and I pushed the upper body a bit more. But yeah, No excuse. No excuse. Eating in terms of performance, most of the clients that I work with or the people I work with come to me for fat loss purposes. The people that I work with online, it's a different type of clientele. It's people that are a bit more, let's say, intermediate to advanced and they want to focus more on building muscle, getting stronger, uh, becoming more mobile, becoming more fit, a bit more athletic, more of like a GPP type of setting. People that I work with face-to-face Normally, people that I work with face-to-face are people that require a little bit more help than someone that's online. People online are a bit more self-sufficient in terms of training themselves and their nutrition. So it's normal for the people that I work with face-to-face to to want help with weight loss instead of trying to gain a bit of muscle. I do get a few here and there, but the majority of people that I work with, it's weight loss. And sometimes... I work with people that don't actually need to lose weight, or I talk with people that don't actually need to lose any weight at all. In my opinion, there is no point losing a kilogram or two kilograms, or even three kilograms. Sometimes people do want to lose a small amount of weight by using an aggressive cut. I'm not a big fan of aggressive cuts because if you're, let's say you're eating 3,000 calories a day and you want to have an aggressive cut, normally aggressive cuts are over a thousand calories. In a deficit. So you're probably looking at 2000 calories or less a day, and you continue that for a month. Yes, you will lose weight if you really want to lose weight, but the issue is you will probably end up losing some muscle mass as well. And we don't want to lose our muscle mass, do we? We work really hard for that. So we don't want to lose that. So when I talk to people and they want to lose a kilo or two, I normally ask why. If it's for a wedding, if it's for a special occasion, and I go, okay, cool, let's discuss. Let's lose. X amount of weight for this day, enjoy that day, look the way you want to look, and then after that, let's reassess your goal, because losing a kilo or two, in the grand scheme of things, isn't going to really change the way you look too much, if it makes you feel better for that that period of time or for that event, then so be it, because you have your goals and I'm there, or your coach is there to help you achieve those goals, but then I, I ask him, okay, what do you want to do now? And... People come to me and they want weight loss and they want to get strong. Now, the problem with weight loss and getting strong is if your deficit is too big, it's too large, normally what happens is strength is compromised. You are not going to be as strong. And many people that have tried to get into a deficit, try to get lean, they will attest to this, that losing weight has made them weaker. And it's normal, you know. Mass moves mass. Most of the time, if you drop a lot of weight, you are going to have your strength fall fall by the side, by the wayside, as as it normally normally does. You drop, you're losing weight. Therefore, you probably can't lift as much as you can lift before. But there is there is a way of continuing to stay strong whilst losing weight, and that is with a small caloric deficit. And by small I mean ten percent maybe ten percent of your you know body weight a week so if you're hundred kilos you can lose a kilogram a week um, but I wouldn't push it past that the thing that I think about when it comes to nutrition is especially as I get older I really don't in my opinion okay this is me talking about myself if I was coaching myself I really couldn't give two shits about aesthetics like look. I think I look good, but that—that's for me, that's very secondary. And there's nothing wrong with strictly and purely training for aesthetics to look good. There's nothing wrong with that. It just depends on, on what kind of training you want to do and how you see your training. The way I see my training is I see my training as more performance-based. I want to be able to run fast. I want to be able to jump high. I want to be able to lift heavy weights, and I want to be able to also you know, smash out CrossFit sessions and Metcons and, and and all these AMRAPs and not be blowing out my ass. And that takes an energy intake. That takes food. That takes caloric, dense food. That takes protein. That takes carbs and fats. You need these things. Well, I need these things. I know that this this is a... Uh, I don't think it's a funny story, but back in the stereosonic days, the muzzer days, I was... I was 19 and look, I wasn't big at 19. Like, I was probably even smaller than I am now. Probably I was 84 kilos, 85 kilos. I was 95 a month ago, but yeah, about 84, 85. And this was like the whole shredding for stereo. And look, in hindsight, it's cool to shred if you're big, but I was already small. So, like, shredding for me was just like, You know, let's say you got two pieces of thin leg ham that you get from Coles that you put in the sandwich. Take one off. Looks like the same shit. That that was basically me. So what I did was I found a. That's funny enough. It's a bodybuilding shred. Okay, so I went on T Nation and I and I found out how to shred to like six to eight percent body fat in the span of like ten weeks, and that's normally for people that have eaten a lot of food, they've carb loaded, they've they've you know probably bulked quotation marks to a certain point and they want to lose weight and they want to shed weight and they want to look shredded, they want to look peeled. So I followed that for 10 weeks and the way that worked was every day you cut about 50 calories and then you come to an average at the end of the week and then you go to the average and then you do the same thing, cut down 50 calories, you go up to an average and you keep cutting down. And Performance-wise, garbage. Absolute garbage. But I didn't really care. All I care about at that at that time, especially when I'm young, you want to look good. You want to look hot. You want to look ripped. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, but I didn't care about performance. I just cared about aesthetics. And I got to the last two weeks. Then you start, you know, cutting out carbs. Last week you start, you know, water loading. and Then you cut out water. And then I had was a glycerin. This kind of syrup that's in like the. Neither toothpaste section, it's you know, it's just like straight sugar. I have that so you can retain like so your your muscles can just kind of pop. And I did get pretty shredded, to be honest. But for what? For fucking a music festival that I had my I had a singlet on that you can, you know, you can not see my whole, I didn't take my top off, but for what? For, for what purposes, you know, and I look at at that now, and that's coming from like a, a very naive perspective on what I thought fitness was at the time. Now that I'm 31 and I love training for the sake of training because I like to lift heavy weights. I like to move weights fast. I like running. I like doing all these things. The only way I can do all these things is by actually fueling myself properly. If I don't eat properly an adequate amount of food, then I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z because of not enough, not enough energy. No, I'm not, not consuming enough. And if you look at Michael Phelps, when he used to swim, the guy was consuming six to 8,000, sometimes 10,000 calories a day because he was just burning so much. And he got to the point where he had to consume junk food just to be able to, you know, feed himself. And, you know, some people might say, oh, why, why is he eating McDonald's? Why, why is he eating junk food? It's almost impossible to eat 6,000 calories of just clean food. If you're an athlete, and if you're someone that's requiring energy, someone that's requiring calories, you have to get your calories from somewhere. Especially if you've got three thousand calories left in half of your day, mate, you're not going to be eating boiled chicken and broccoli and rice. You're going to be eating caloric dense foods to to have that to have that energy for that day to replenish and for the next day and onwards and onwards. So. When I talk to my clients that I I look at and I go, you know what, you probably don't need to lose any weight and you want to get stronger, it's probably time for you to start consuming more food, start eating for performance, not just for for weight loss. And what happens is when you eat for performance and you train really hard, more often than not, your your body takes the shape of just how hard you train. And I used to have... And again, it's a Dunning-Kruger effect. You think you know everything from the start, and then you go, oh, well, I don't know that much. And then you go down to, fuck, I know nothing at all. And then you learn more, and you're like, well, I know a little bit, but now the more I'm learning, the more I'm realizing I don't really know much at all. As Socrates said, as for me, all I know is I know nothing. And he was a philosopher who just literally talked shit all day. He just spoke about you know, thinking about thinking and about life, and he realized that like, man, I I just I, I don't know anything, and that's probably the wisest you can be by acknowledging that you don't know anything or everything. That's just the way it is. Yeah, sorry, I went on a tangent. Let me go back to what I was saying. When I first started learning about training and nutrition, it was eighty percent of your results are nutrition. You know, like abs are made in the kitchen, that type of shit, and. For a long time, I believe that. But honestly, do I believe that now still? Not as much. I think obviously food is very important. Nutrition is very important. You need to, you know, have, I don't want to say good and bad foods. I hate using good and bad. You know, you want more whole foods and then you can fill in the rest. Let's say 80% whole foods, 20% cheeky here and there, a couple of chocolates, a couple of Nutellas, you know, fucking, you know, all that stuff that you kind of like. Who cares? Chuck them in there. But it's not the majority of your results aren't just what you eat. It's actually training fucking hard. It's actually putting in the graft in the gym because I've seen guys who their diets actually aren't the best, but they fucking train like animals and they look pretty good. And same goes for people that you know eat pretty healthy. They don't train too hard. They think they are and they look a bit meh. That's just how it is. I think they're both... Well, it's almost 50-50 in my opinion. Like If you eat well, you train hard, that's fucking best bang for your buck. Everything else is just... You know, you, could, you can argue 60, 40, 70, 30, whatever, 45, 55, I don't care. I just think if you're eating well, you're training hard, the way that you want to look will eventually come. So you're not just focusing on like, I'm losing half a kilo a week, calorie deficit, uh, now, now I look good. You know, I, I think, especially now that I'm older, I look at training as a long-term thing. I don't want to be an old man who can't play with his grandkids, you know, like if I have knee issues, whatever. But for now, mate, I'm looking for longevity. And while I'm looking for longevity, in the moment, I'm training hard because I fucking love it. I love it. I don't I don't see training as a short term fix for me. I don't want to lose weight. I don't want to, you know, look good for whatever's coming up now. I don't want to go to Port Melbourne Beach and look fucking ripped, you know, in pink budgie smugglers. I don't want that. I just train hard, eat food because I love food. And the thing is. Eventually, if you're more in tune with your body, you by eating certain foods, you know what makes you feel good. And I don't know if I eat shitty food, I feel like shit. You know, b- before when I was younger, I just I try to eat clean because I focus more on the macronutrients, trying to be shredded. But now, when I eat, I know what is good for me and what is not. My body just says yes and no, and that's also very important to become in tune with your body. So. If you're on the fence about what to do, caloric deficit, you know, a surplus, or whatever, if you don't want to lose, if you don't have to lose 10 kilos, you know, if you have to only lose five or four, maybe you can lose it a couple of kilos in, a, in in a in a month or two months, and then just focus purely on just getting stronger. Especially what I've noticed with a lot of women in the gym, they're very um they overthink. They 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 think that if they were to eat more and train hard, that they would look like fucking Ronnie Coleman or they look like a man. And I always tell them, look around you. This gym is predominantly filled with males and men. It's just, most gyms are like that. And some of these guys have been training for 20 plus years. Some of these guys are on steroids. Some of these guys are consuming X amount of calories and they're still not that big. And obviously they're, they're highly driven by testosterone. A woman won't have that same effect. For the women that I've seen that have eaten enough to replenish, eaten enough protein and trained hard, they actually have really nice bodies. They they have really nice bodies. It just works so well. So eating for performance, in my opinion, is, is something that we should probably kind of swing that needle towards instead of always thinking about, Fat loss, fat loss, fat loss. Because what happens when you lose that fat? What do you want to do? Can't keep losing the fat because then you look, you know, skinny fat or pudgy. There has to be, in my opinion, just like anything in life, there has to be a long term goal. Because when I talk to my clients, I don't go, all right, cool, you want to lose 10 kilos in two months after we do that? Sick, do whatever you do what the fuck you want. It's not, it's not that. I go, okay, you want to lose X amount of weight in X amount of months. What about after that? Oh, well, I want to maybe lose more. Okay, what about after that? And then they're kind of perplexed. They're like thinking, well, fuck, I don't know. I just want to lose weight. Well, eventually you're going to lose the weight. Then what do you want to do after that? Because if you don't know what you want to do, you're going to probably gain that weight back on. So that's why I get to that point where like, okay, we've lost that weight. Let's focus on just going fucking hard in the gym and training hard. Hey everyone, just letting you know that I've got a few more spots available for face-to-face coaching, Essendon and South Melbourne Good Life. They are the areas and the gym. And also I'm taking on a few more clients for online coaching. So if you've been on the fence about coaching in general, get in touch with me via the link in my bio, or you can DM me and let's get the ball rolling. All right, back to the podcast. So the crux of all of this, what I'm trying to say is if you don't really need to lose much weight, eat. Eat. You don't need to eat the caloric surplus. You can if you want, but just eat and train hard. I mean, if you want to weigh yourself, weigh yourself once a week. If it's gone up too much, eat a little bit less. But you will feel so much better when you train. I feel amazing when I train and I've consumed enough food instead of when I'm on like uh, peasant calories. You know, peasant calories, barely eating anything. So yeah, if you have any questions about that stuff, you want to get into a discussion or you want to talk. DM me. DM me on Instagram. I love talking about this shit because yeah, weight loss is cool. Looking looking sexy and ripped is cool as well. That's your goal. Nothing wrong with that. But think about the long term. Think about the long term. My opinion is I like to feel good. I like to move shit fast, lift heavy stuff, uh, be able to run long distances, short distances, play football, all that stuff. Yeah, it just makes me feel good. Now, just the last little thing I want to talk about is just what makes a goat Not a bad goat, but the greatest of all time. And look, some people are going to like this, some people are going to not like it, love or hate, whatever you want to say. But there is a big discussion about Novak Djokovic being up there as one of the greatest of all time, not in his sports, not just in his sport, but actually athletes of all time up there with Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan. And if you, you know, if you could pop in the bottom if you want in the chat who you think the greatest of all time in your, your favorite sport is or athlete of, in general, there's a lot of personal preference when it comes to who you like and who you adore. And for me, for example, in football, I loved Zlatan Ibrahimovic because I'm a tall player. He's a tall player. I'm from the Balkans. He's from the Balkans. So I just had this immediate res- connection and I resonated with his story and with him. Because you know, being a very tall guy and playing football, for us, it's very different. We're not closer to the ground. We, we can look a little bit awkward sometimes. So for us, having skill is difficult. It's difficult to express because we are so big. And speed and, and shooting and, and all that stuff, it's difficult to express. And my mentality really aligned with his mentality growing up. So for me, when I think about my favorite players of all time, he probably comes up as my favorite player of all time. Is he the greatest of all time? No. In my opinion, the greatest of all time. I hate to say it. you know, I hate to say it. I love Cristiano Ronaldo, and I think Cristiano Ronaldo is up there, probably number two, but probably the greatest of all time is Messi. It's just, it, it just in terms of how he is as a player, what he does with the ball, you know, it's 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 insane. It's poetry in motion. Like Ronaldo for me is is close to number one in the world of all time. But yeah, it's it's hard. It, especially Ronaldo is taller, he's worked a lot harder for his for his skills and his technique. Sometimes people have a God given talent. Sometimes people have to work really hard. Well, most of the time you gotta work still work really hard. But they're kind of objective, subjective. My opinion is I can't choose between the two one day it'll be Messi, one day it'll be Ronaldo I I don't know but when you speak about the greatest of all time you have to take out personal preference you can't just be like you know what I love Ronaldo because of that he's number one you have to be like okay do you think he's number one because of what he's achieved and as a player and as whatever or is it because you like him more than Messi so where I was going with this is Novak Djokovic is a love uh, a love hate type of character. People love him, people hate him, and that's what I love about him. I, I don't, and I'm the same as a, as as him in the in the sense that I don't really care if people like me. I don't care if people don't like me. I'll attract the people that like me and repel the people that don't like me. I don't want to be a people pleaser. I don't want to be like, oh hey, how are you today? And be all fake. I'd rather be myself. And if that resonates with you, and we connect, then fuck, amazing. But with with Djokovic and tennis in general, what I see a lot about the debate is Rafael Nadal is just nicer. And Roger Federer is such a, a, a good man. Look, when it comes to athletes, I don't care if someone's a good man or not. If you're judging who the best in the world is, you got to judge on what they've done, what they've achieved. And in my opinion, be- becoming the greatest of all time... There is not just accolades and achievements, what you've done, but it's also the resilience and the obstacles that you've overcome. And for example, when you look at Messi, Messi was born with a a, a growth issue. So he was, he was, as he was a child, he was going to have issues growing up to an adult size. And fortunately, he got picked up by Barcelona and they... And in these injections that would give him the, the kind of growth spurt that he would require naturally, he would get these injections and they were paid for by the club. And his family couldn't afford these injections if they if he wasn't a Barcelona. So he would probably be stuck being very small. So luckily Barcelona picked him up. He had those growth injections. So he kind of persevered past that. It's a little little kind of obstacle in his story. And then the rest is history. Cristiano Ronaldo came from a poor family, his dad was an alcoholic, came from a a really poor area in in Portugal, and he worked his way up. So again, these people persevere from these situations. When it comes to Muhammad Ali, for example, because of his religious beliefs and his stance on the war in Vietnam, he actually wasn't allowed to, to fight for a long period of time. And he still came back. And persevered from that, and that—that's one thing that makes him the greatest of all time. It's not just Muhammad Ali is an amazing boxer; he's the greatest of all time. There are things that you overcome, and obstacles you overcome as a human being, and as a and as an athlete. That most people, that they'll knock them down straight away. It's it's like when someone has a breakup, they're done for life. You know that person's like game over, or they've lost their job. You know what? Game over. They've lost thirty thousand dollars in investment. Game over. Where other people, successful people, failure is 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 something. It's just going to come. It's just there's no stopping failure. You're going to have failure, and it's going to keep coming. And these people know that, and they persevere, and they become very resilient to this. And that is what I see when I look at Novak Djokovic. What's happened to him? I'm not going to get into the whole COVID thing, but you know he's won it. I don't know, like nine, ten times in. Australia, the Oz Open. This is his, his his, tournament, essentially. It's his tournament. And during the whole COVID debacle, he was allowed in, and then he was detained, and he was kicked out. And most people would, would never come back to the country. They'd be ashamed. But guess what? He came back the year after, and he won it. The big in-your-face type of it type of in-your-face moment. And that takes fucking balls. That takes character when everyone is against you when everyone's talking shit about you and you come back and you persevere and at 37 38 years old now after what he's done also competing with nadal and federer for like 15 20 years almost and to still be the best out of the three and to do what he's done, and to be banned in certain tournaments, and even the U.S. Open when he hit the ball girl in the in the throat, and she fucking pretended like she got stabbed in the neck with a fucking with a machete, you know. Still to persevere, and still to be number one in the world with the most Grand Slams. That is what I think makes someone one of the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan as well, kicked out of his high school high school team, not kicked out, they didn't even make the high school team, and he locked himself in a room and. You know, he created he created this monster in his head and he became the greatest of all time. They, they, these people have to go through things to persevere. You know, you might have a career where everything's just easy, handed to you on a plate, you're a very good player, no issues, everyone likes you, and guess what? You know, you're probably going to have a really good career, but you're never going to be the best. You're never going to be the best. And the ones that are the best, they have a chip on their shoulder. And it's sick. It, it might be you know that, that people say that you know, Jordan has a, a, a mental illness. And sometimes you have to, if you want to be the best. Sometimes you have to be delusional. Sometimes you have to be crazy. That's just how it is. So when I look at you know the goat debate now of the greatest athletes of all time, everyone's going to have obviously it's 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 very subjective. There's no objective like this is the best player of all time. There's so many people that have been amazing players, world class, and it, again it's subjective. And this is a, again for me it's subjective because obviously Noah Djokovic is Serbian, and you know I really resonate and relate to him. Uh, him coming from a war-torn country and making it into in making himself into who he is today is for me an inspirational story. For him to have like an amazing family and an amazing career, that's 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 almost like you know same as David Beckham. It's something that is desirable, very desirable. So yeah, if you want to chuck in who you think your greatest of all time is down below, I honestly think Djokovic has to be up there. And if you don't think he's up there, I think you're a little bit delusional because then you'll have your biases because you like one player more than the other. And it's not about it's not a liking contest. It's just not who you like more, who's got the nicest hair, who's got the coolest shoes. That's a that's a kind of I prefer this player type of thing. But you can't you can't throw away someone's accolades and achievements and trophies and and records. You can't. You know, you can have a nice little pink headband. But if you're a shit tennis player, you're still a shit tennis player. That's subjective, okay? Your headband is subjective. But yeah, thank you for listening, tuning in. Today was just a bit random, a bit random, but sometimes random is good. Sometimes it's good to talk a little bit of shit. I really appreciate you tuning in. Make sure when you see someone that you you don't know, give them a smile, give them a hello. And maybe message the people that you haven't spoken to in a while that are close friends, because I know life gets in the way, and it does. It does get in the way. Sometimes it gets in the way more so than other times. But it's not hard to just check in on your loved ones, check in on your friends. Say I miss you. Say I hope you've been well. Ask how they how they've been doing. Catch up for some fucking food. Catch up for a drink. Catch up for something. Just do something. You know, it's easy as we're getting older to be adults, to be doing adulty things, serious things. But sometimes you don't need to be always serious. Just because you're fucking 30 doesn't mean you've got to act like you're 40. You know? You're know, you still a child at heart. Still do the things that that ignite that fire and make you happy because you don't need to dig yourself an early grave by pretending that, oh, I don't need to be a kid anymore. I don't need to do the things that are fun anymore. Because life, you have to still have fun in life. Can't just be fucking serious, paying the bills, wanting your promotion, and kissing your boss's ass. That's the type of life that you want to live. Yeah, so still enjoy it. Enjoy it, have fun, and be nice, be positive. Share your smile because you probably have a beautiful smile. And yeah, give some people some positive affirmations, some positive feedback. And for you as well, I hope you have a really lovely day, a lovely week. And I hope things work out for you because, you know, whatever problem that you have in your head, it's all going to be fine. And even that problem is all going to be fine. All those problems, everything's going to be fine. Just, you know, keep on keeping on. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.